0: All right, Coast to Coast Combat Hour, the one after UFC 231. I'm Ed Carbajal here with Matt Hawkins. What's going on, Matt? Lots of fights from this weekend.
1: Oh, man. Six events I got covered this weekend. Uh, Amazing. (laughs) <laughs> amazing to say the
0: least yeah well, I, I uh i um i don't know i mean i guess we should, should we should work our way back from the biggest one obviously uh, uh 231 with max holloway's return i um i honestly think uh i almost feel bad for thinking he was sick <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like, yeah i um... mean,
1: i I, I, uh, I messaged you and said you know i, I... I mean I picked Holloway to win. I can't remember I, I know you were I think kind of on the fence with it, but I picked Holloway to win. I thought he would actually do kind of what he did, but um he even uh, outlived my expectations. I just I, I think we uh like you said we all fell asleep uh kind of with his uh with his health issues over the last year and um really really the first thought that came to my head is damn, we were so close to seeing him and Khabib fight.
0: Yeah, and it's also uh, it's also just like like maybe uh Maybe Max Holloway's just a weird acting and weird sounding guy, and he, there's nothing wrong with him at all. Because if you think about it, if you think about why they pulled him from cards before, it was all based on his visuals. Like they didn't really check anything. You know what I mean? Like, well, the last one they did, they said there were signs of concussion or whatever, but it was still based off of the way he, he was perceived. Otherwise, he was ready to go, and we saw that against Brian Ortega. I mean, he made. I mean, he made Brian Ortega undefeated. And I still think Brian Ortega is a beast in the featherweight division, but I mean, he made he like schooled him every round. I think the third round was Ortega's best round and uh, it was still not as good as it could have been.
1: Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I always thought Holloway was kind of one of the, you know, uh, kind of a mush mouth. Um, he, he always kind of had that. I don't know if it's something from the Hawaii, but it, it's just kind of a, it's it's maybe it's, you know, I don't know if it's an accent. I, I don't, I don't know, but I always picked him up as kind of being a, a little bit of a, a mush mouth uh, kind of talker. And, and um, so I think he had something wrong with him. I think he had a concussion. I think there was something clearly wrong with him um, more from the look in his eyes than how he sounded. Um, and just kind of the, the paleness and the, it, it, how, how down he seemed to be uh, the first time they pulled him. The last one was for the weight cut issue. And, um, I was for taking it last minute. The dude cuts like 27% of his body weight is, is, uh, I think what I read. So some huge amount. So, you know, but, but all that aside, he made weight obviously. And, uh, I, I mean, I don't, even, it's almost too much for words. The, the performance he put on, um, it, it seemed, one of the best performances I can, I can remember in a long time, uh, from a striker, uh, you know, usually we see it with strikers when they have great performances. It's usually a. Uh, a big quick knockout or a, you know, just a, a, you know, one round battle. And then, and then they put somebody down, but to control somebody, I mean, it reminded me of what, you know, obviously the, the Diaz has had some success. Nate uh, Nick Diaz had an incredible run in strike force and, you know, had a, had a big run, but you know, it remind it, it instantly. It was like what the Diazes could have been if they didn't get into all their other bullshit, if they yeah. just would, if they would have been straight fighters and everything was dedicated to mixed martial arts, and they didn't have the the, the drug offenses and, and and given it was it was a lot of its bullshit for weed and stuff. But it just seems like you know that's how he fought. He fought like uh, a Nate Diaz, like you know, super Nate Diaz. You know, yeah. I mean, just that's the that's just the way he's striking. And um, you know, I thought Ortega might have won the third round. I'd have to watch it again. I know watching it, I thought
0: that it was starting to swing that- a little bit. No, it right. definitely. Uh, you're right. In the third round, it definitely did seem that way. A lot of people felt that way. I, I know I did. I mean, just because uh, that it seemed like Ortega was finding his groove, but um, you know, and then obviously, you know, the fourth round happened, and and it just went right back to the same. So, um, I don't know, man. I mean, Holloway's definitely. Uh, I mean, even Dana White was saying afterwards that he's de- it's definitely start to put him in the goat status for for his division. Uh, even though he'd argue and say that's still Jose Aldo, which I mean, that just makes it cooler. But I mean, that fight. I mean, a lot of people are starting to gather their fight of the year, uh, you know, recommendations for their little awards that every outlet and site does, and that's definitely one of the reasons I don't like to chime in so early. Is because you you know stuff like this happens. I mean, that's definitely up there for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd define it as fight of the year for me. I would probably define it as performance of the year, um, along with maybe Khabib versus Connor. Um, I mean, as far as a fight goes, just off the top of my head in recent UFC memory, you know, I thought Weidman and, and Jacare was maybe a better better back and forth where, where it was a little bit even. Um,
0: yeah, that's true.
1: You know, so performance of the year, though, um, I mean, hell, you could give him fighter of the year off that performance, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, it, it was you know, he took some shots. So it wasn't like Ortega was, was, um, was, was useless in the fight or, or, or defenseless, but, uh, it just, the output and the, you know, it just, it, it was incredible and it was awesome to see. And, uh, you know, it really, uh, it's it really not, like I said, it, it's hard to put into words what kind of performance that wow. was because <clears> I, <throat> I, you know, I, I, like I said, I thought he would win, but I didn't think it would be like that. And, um, you know, you being a grappler, you know, being a black belt in BJJ, what would you, what's your, you know, I, I get frustrated just from a, a fan's perspective of of somebody uh, when I see somebody who's supposed to be an ace on the ground like Ortega, and I know he tried a couple takedowns and and they a couple got stuffed, but does that frustrate you um, as a uh, as a black belt and a high level a level grappler when you see somebody who that's their forte and I don't know, did you think that that he should have tried to take the fight to the ground a little more. I know he tried to pull guard in the fourth round. Do you think that would have been more of a, a better strategy maybe in the first or second? I'm just throwing I, that out there.
0: I mean, I didn't, I wasn't frustrated. I mean, I think when, when you understand fighting as a whole, I mean, grappling, you know, I, I, I did striking before I did grappling. I've been, I've been training over 20 years. So when you understand fighting as a whole, you know, not. I mean, the objective for every fighter is to impose their will or their game onto their opponent but that doesn't mean their opponent's going to allow it. And then, um, I mean, uh, I, I, I wrote about it on Medium, on my own little personal Medium uh, account. The body types in combat sports, the, the one that is always the most problematic is that lanky, wiry, ectomorph type. And uh, that's what Max Holloway has. So that's why, I mean, it's hard to, I mean, he tried to pull guard, but he couldn't lock his legs around him. I mean, uh, there, there's a little Mexican dude that I trained with. Kid, he's like 20 years old. His name's Guillermo. He's he's built like that. And I've literally, I, I've tried choking him, and the only reason I don't choke him is because his neck is, is, is it's like a wire. <laughs> so it's like, it's like hard to do this to a whole, you know, to something so small. There's still space in there. You know what I mean? So, I mean, body type counts for a lot. And I think, uh, I don't think or- Ortega, was just uh I mean he tried so i can't i can't say I was pissed at him for not trying he did try, but uh i mean you know what there is there is the argument though that sometimes once people start getting knockouts, they fall in love with knocking people out you know what i mean that's the, so, that's the
1: point I was going to make I yeah. wonder now you know through his history of fights he was never willing really one to come and, and just immediately take do a takedown he's always kind of worn people down with some strikes and then looked for a mistake so so it's not as if he really uh, went away from his game plan. I just wonder if he had not had that uh, that big highlight reel KO of Frankie in his last fight, if maybe that got to his head a little bit. Like, I know they were talking to his coaches before the fight, um, or at least one of his coaches, and they was talking about striking and stuff and about how he's going to surprise everybody. And it just, uh, you know, obviously he's not um, – he's won a lot of fights from submission, but it's not like a Damian Maya situation or, or something like that where you're looking – or. Uh, tell us latest somebody who's really is, is a hundred percent basically ground game. Um, yeah. And, and them doing the same thing. But I just, I, you know, it, I always, first that always frustrated me when, uh, when I saw it, I mean, we saw it in, in one of the uh, earlier fights that night, Gunnar Nelson. Um, yeah. he, you know, it turned out to be an outstanding fight. He tried to take the fight down to the ground and, and, and get in his world. And he got his ass kicked initially. And then in the second round, I think, uh, I think uh, Alex Oliveira got a little bit ahead of himself and he actually tried to take down Nelson.
0: Yeah. You know? And, yeah.
1: And, and ended up playing in Nelson's world. And then a reversal later he's, he's mounted and, and, and just showered in blood. So,
0: yeah. Uh, you, you know, know what? I, one thing I forgot to mention before we started talking about these fights was like, obviously uh, I remember my picks cause I wrote, I, I, I used, I used what we said in the last episode to do my portion of the MMA uh predictions. So obviously this was probably my worst picks of the year um, because uh, Ortega lost and Oliveira lost. And one thing Oliveira did that, like uh, to your point, one of the things he did that was weird is uh, I was at the end of, I think it was at the end of round one. It was at the end of round one when uh, uh, Nelson went for a straight ankle lock and Oliveira had both legs through the inside of Oliveira's leg, which is the right thing to do because you take away the leverage from the submission, but then he kept grabbing the cage and didn't try to like, I mean, I don't know if he knew it's because he knew time was running out, but he was actually about to pull himself away, which would have given Nelson the, the submission. So I, I just feel like, I don't know if it was his new mustache or, or, or what, but he, he was just like, he didn't seem like he was, he was, his mind was in the right space. And obviously that, that elbow would just, and that distract anybody. If you get that uh, runestone symbol in the middle of your head,
1: yeah, I, you know, I, he's just kind of a wild man. We talked about yeah. him not really getting the credit he deserves, and I don't think he really lost a lot in this fight, um, as far as being an action fighter and somebody that people want to watch fight. I mean, the first round he was spectacular, I mean, he pretty much pounded he used the cage to avoid the takedown, which could have changed the whole thing. I mean, we might've saw the in the elbow two minutes into the fight, and maybe we don't even see Oliveira. but he worked inside Gunner's guard for a little bit. I mean, not so much as guard, but he, he worked around the feet and landed a ton of ground and pound. Um, I thought he was, I, I mean, it's basically kind of what we, how we thought the fight was going to go. And then, like I said, in the second round, I think he got a little bit excited. Um, and I don't want to say he's got a bad fight IQ, but perhaps like you said, he gets a little bit ahead of himself. And, um, and, and forgets that he's the guy he's fighting. Basically his only chance to beat him is the way that he let the guy beat him. And that was yeah. going into his world and, um, and getting reversed. I mean, once, once, no, Nel- uh, once Nelson had the mount, you really weren't going to, he wasn't going to get out of that. His only chance really was to try to survive for two and a half minutes without getting subbed. And, and once his, uh, skull was crushed in with that elbow, it was, uh, yeah. it was, if, if fans haven't seen it, it was, uh, it was one of the quickest, bloodiest, uh, uh, moments uh, in UFC history got to be yeah. a, easily a top ten moment where there's just instantly from one second no blood to two seconds later the the just blood everywhere. So yeah, um, but it was a great fight um, and a good yeah. win for Nelson. You know, I was the first to kind of not you know bash him, but um, you know maybe think that he was a little bit out of his league, but um, he showed a lot of toughness and and really pulled out a win that he needed to have.
0: Yeah, and, uh, definitely. And the only other fight that like uh, was of note to me that. I I'm, I actually I brought my notebook with me to the bar, and so I was making notes just for for this week's episode because uh, I watched it in the in the the horrible bar that's near me that aired it. Um, uh, the Santos uh, KO that fight was back and forth with him and Jimmy Manua, um, Tiago Santos and Jimmy Manua. That fight, uh, I almost thought that was one of the picks that I did get right. I think you picked him too, right?
1: No, I picked Manua. I thought that I thought he would catch Santos, and I mean it. The fight was kind of how I expected it. I just thought that uh, I thought that the true tool, Fiverr and Manoa yeah. would would land something heavier and, and be able to put down Santos. And they went back and forth.
0: We um, almost did catch him for a minute there. in round he, one. I mean,
1: he did. They caught each other. It was yeah. it was a moment, you know, both of them could have easily been KO'd um, and they were throwing some heavy leather. I mean, that was, you know, we, we talk about the main event being a, a violent fight. That was the fight to me. That was true violence. I mean, that was two yeah. guys really trying to kill each other. Um, with punches, and I know they're bigger and and stuff like that, but um, you know, it, it was it was almost a throwback UFC fight. That was kind of the Tank Abbott, you know, just to go in there and there was you know, there was technique involved, but it was I'm gonna take your your head off, and uh, and this fight's definitely not going down to the ground. Yeah, but, they,
0: um, you know, they made that funny comment about uh the tattoo on on his chest of being a hammer, um, uh, you know, because he calls himself Marret Maheta. Which is like, which is similar to Spanish maleta or, 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 or uh, you know, mallet, the hammer on his chest, uh-huh. and uh, they were just like, um, I forget who it was that said uh, something along the lines like, you know, because they they wanted him to grapple or said so they're like, you don't get a tattoo on your chest of a hammer because you're good at grappling, you know? I mean? Yeah,
1: I think that was Joe Rogan. He made <laughs> yeah, a comment yeah, yeah. about you know, you know, you're a tough, uh, tough dude if you've got a if you've got a hammer tattooed on your on your chest. But the funny thing about that is and it gets into our co-main event. I said, I saw somebody say, well, well, if, if you're, if you're a badass for having a hammer on your chest, what does it mean? If you have a oh. block 19 <laughs> tattooed on your ribs, uh, yeah. like, like Valentina Shevchenko has. So, uh, and where she has her name, uh, bullet nickname, bullet, um, yeah. you know, that jumps up quick to the co-main event there where, uh, you know, it kind of went how I expected it. I thought Shevchenko yeah. would use, we would, uh, would finish it honestly from the ground. Um, You know, I, it was a good fight. I see a lot of people really, really praising it. You know, there was some technical into it. It, I don't see it as one. You're going to sit down and watch another 25 minutes of it. Um, but, uh, but it was, it was easily two of the most technical striking females, um, in MMA going at it. So, uh, but I think the right person won. I think the, the, I think Valentina Shevchenko is a, um, is going to be a tough out in that, in that, uh, in that
0: weight class. Um, yeah. You know. No, she's definitely, uh, um, I definitely went, obviously uh, I, I think I have to stop picking Joanna by default because I liked, I liked her when she was a champion. I mean, cause afterward uh, I started changing my mind. I even had a discussion with the guys at MMAnews.com cause that's where I write predictions now. And um, after I submitted them, I, I actually said, I was like, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think I made the right move here you know and 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 uh, everything all, all everything that made me doubt my my initial decision is turned out to be why the fight was went the way it, did, it went so i mean kudos to her but that's pretty much i mean i don't have any other fights that, from that card that stood out to me i know you saw a lot more than i did this weekend um you were talking about the glory tournament before we started recording right
1: yeah that was um that was on saturday morning um uh was the glory tournament and uh you know it was notable uh mainly because it was they returned to an eight-man uh tournament um and they held it in the netherlands um it was really eight of the eight of the top 10 uh best heavyweights in glory um the champion rico verhoeven uh, wasn't a part of it it was basically a number one contender tournament um and as it unfolded uh the two big guys the number two and number three ranked uh Guys is number two, uh, Benjamin Adigbui um and uh, and Jamal bin Sadiq. Uh, ben bin Sadiq, if you haven't seen him, is like six foot seven, you know, about two hundred and seventy-five, two hundred and eighty pounds. Uh, just a just a huge guy. Um, as it turns out, uh, you know, Sadiq got his first victory. Um, and then he moved into the quarterfinals where he fought Guto Inesech, uh, who fought in Strike Force, fought in UFC. Uh, fought in force against Virgil Zwicker, who's been on our show. And uh, that's the fight that Virgil says that everybody should check out if they just want to see two guys uh, just going toe-to-toe for, for three rounds. Um, but but Sadiq uh, was able to outlast him for a decision. Um, while Adegbui, uh did the same thing, got to the finals, and and Sadiq was able to knock him out, um, only throwing left hands. I think he may have damaged his right hand sometime in the early in that fight, but it was first round, and he threw about a seven-punch punch, uh, combination almost with his left, uh, and the, uh, and he just blasted him, um, knocked him out, uh, minute 54 into the first round to, uh, to get the, get the tournament win and, uh, and earn another shot with Vico Verhoeven. So, um, really good thing for glory. I mean, I grew up on the K one,
0: uh, grand
1: prix, uh, Mark hunts, the, the race FOS, um, miracle cruel cops, all all that craziness. So, um, uh, in my opinion, you can't go wrong with an, an eight man tournament and, um, Especially in one night, you know, the grand Prix are cute, but but uh, I I say give it to me all in one night and let me uh, let me figure out if all the fights were fair, or if guys were injured or not, and and, uh, and let's crown somebody uh, yeah. after three fights. I,
0: so mean, I, think, was... I, I think that might be regulatory issues, like why why they whether or not they do a one night thing or not. You said that was where in the Netherlands.
1: That was in the Netherlands. I don't yeah. think they have the same issues in the United States. I think a lot of it got thrown off when they went to the broadcasts here in the U.S um, because, uh, it was just hard for them. Like when they went on to, uh, uh, spike at the time or, or, uh, what did they change it so many times? But I think it was spike. They had the spike fight night and That's I think right. they tried, yeah. they would, they would try to fit it in a two hour time span, uh, time, time grouping. And, um, and they went to the four man instead of the eight man. And, and obviously it's harder to get fighters to sign up for an eight man tournament. Um, I, I think you got to show up with some cash and, and stuff like that. So, um, so, I think that was the main thing of the change. Uh, kickboxing historically hasn't had the same issues as mixed martial arts as far yeah. as having multiple fights <clears throat> in the night. Um, and that, obviously, uh, we're not going to go into uh, Combate, but they had a successful uh, eight man tournament in Fresno on Friday night.
0: Oh, man. You know, I, I'm so pissed off. So I recorded that damn thing. I told you because I watch it on Univision. I don't have the zone, but I watch it on Univision. I don't mind, you know, I speak Spanish, so I don't mind watching the Spanish broadcast. This, I, 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 I don't mind bashing Comcast on this thing because these motherfuckers, you know, they don't have it labeled. It was a live event and they didn't have, but it wasn't labeled in the menu as a live event. So it cut me off right before the finals happened. And I was like, are you kidding me? So I had to read about who won that thing. And I was, but uh, yeah, so it's a good thing we're not talking about it because I didn't get to see the finals.
1: Yeah, I watched the whole thing. I, I, I'm not super familiar with all the fighters' names, so I, I'd have to go back and, and look all that stuff up again. Um, whereas, you know, uh, glory and, and stuff, I'm pretty yeah. pretty familiar with with the competitors. But I can say that the show went off pretty well.
0: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> From what I saw, uh, it looked great.
1: And, and you know, the finals, uh, the fights were exciting. Um, not not a, I don't think there was any alternates um, that were needed, so guys were able to continue in the tournament. Um, yeah. so it worked out well for Combate and hopefully they do it again in the future. So and, speaking
0: um, of, speaking of, uh, Combate, cause I mean, you watch it on the zone, right? Yes. <clears throat> so not, not to, uh, I mean, I'm just, just a little segue. I mean, we seem to be bringing up the zone almost every episode, but, um, uh, road FC is now on the zone. So, uh, the U S broadcast for the, for that MMA event, I think they're in Korea, they're 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 added to their list of of options on the zone. I got the email for that like a day or two ago. And uh, on top of that, I don't know if you saw the news today, uh one championships is is going to be with Turner on their on their Bleacher Bleacher uh BR Live. <clears throat> so now it's just like another streaming service that if you want to watch one it's supposed to be be back and forth with uh, TNT and and uh and the the streaming app, but now it's just like Holy shit! Like, how many apps do we need to watch fights now?
1: Yeah, I, I when I initially heard that, I was kind of surprised. Um, and then I heard it's basically just Bleacher Report. I think TNT's just only going to show replays. So unless they're doing same day in the evening yeah. for the early morning events, um, I I won't be paying for that one. Um, it, no. it's not it's not news for the American audience. All these events were free on the one app before. So
0: yeah. basically. The,
1: so basically the news was, Hey, congratulations, America. You can support our event too, <laughs> uh, by paying for it. Yeah. Um, so that won't be happening. The events are early in the morning. Um, and I'm not going to pay to watch, uh, something you it, watch it,
0: it for free. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: short of, short of, uh, short of a crazy Eddie Alvarez, uh, fight or maybe a Demetrius Johnson fight. Uh, maybe I'll pay for the individual event if it's something like four 99 or something. But, um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not subscribing to Bleacher Report. I'm not. You know, that's just that's just not happening. And I think that's a, Uh, I think it's a money grab for. Uh, yeah. For one, um, trying to uh, get in on on, yeah. on what's going on in the, in the, in the American. Uh,
0: if anything, get on the zone like everybody else.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and while we're talking about that again, I noticed Ryzen is not listed on the events page yet for fight. Uh, the fight app which yeah. has me a bit concerned i know we're still a couple weeks out but historically i've been able to order those events about a month to, mm-hmm. to six weeks out so that's not listed yet so that could either be real good in that maybe we're going to get a disown announcement
0: that, i think that... it's gonna i think that's i mean it has to be especially with the collaboration with bellator because bellator's partners with them i think i said that like one or two episodes ago or, or maybe yeah. i tweeted it or something no but... we
1: talked we talked about it especially with uh with caldwell being on the card I, I don't know if uh, Mayweather being involved throws a monkey mm-hmm. wrench in this stuff. I don't know if all of a sudden he's going to demand that it be a hundred dollar pay per view or something in the United States. Oh I, wow! I, you know, I don't know. I'm just I'm just throwing out. Um, you know, and, and God forbid we're sitting here on New Year's Eve trying to find some bush league uh, <laughs> stream stream from <laughs> yeah, Japan. You know, um, to to watch these fights that are they added a second event, so now we got two events. Um, uh, I don't know if you caught that, but uh Kawajiri's uh headlining the uh oh, yeah, I the event the I night got a, before.
0: Yeah, I got the press releases in the middle of the night. So I, <laughs> I saw I saw everyone they added. So the, I The Heisei I era is ending in, in uh they call it the end the end of the Heisei era. I had to look it up to find out what that meant. I, the, I guess that's the equivalent of what a millennial is in Japan. It's <laughs> it's uh, the Heisei era.
1: So they're they're becoming adults and responsible yeah. <laughs> apparently is is what <laughs> that means. Um but uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we'll see where that goes. Obviously, we'll have more on that in the next couple weeks. Um, before we jump quickly ahead to uh, the action this weekend, I just want to throw a couple other results out there. Uh, Polaris had a big uh, a mm. submission event uh, on Sunday. Um, things that stood out, obviously, in the main event, Craig Jones uh, defeated Keenan Cornelius uh, via, via split decision. Um, Jones is a beast. Cornelius is a beast. Uh, seems to me Jones has been more, uh, prominent as far as being shown in in the world of jujitsu lately. Um, being a part of, uh, Quintet and, um, Polaris and, and EBI, he's been a little bit more out in front than Cornelius, but he pulled that off. Um, I know a a fight that's of interest to MMA fans, uh, two MMA veterans, uh, Wagner Rocha and, uh, Benson Henderson, uh, had a nice back and forth where, uh, Henderson was doing all right. And then he caught with the, got caught with a rear naked choke and had to tap out with about uh, 15, 20 seconds left in the match. So um, Roach has really been on a, a tear um, winning combat jiu-jitsu tournaments for EBI. Um, I know he's had some success in fight to win pro um, and, and, and really is establishing himself at one of the top um, competitive jiu-jitsu guys, at least that I'm aware of in, in the upper echelon events. Um, but the main thing that really stood out to me is Nikki Ryan, the, uh, the younger brother of uh, Gordon Ryan, yeah. uh, seven, 17-year-old kid. Damn, dude's a prodigy. I, you know, when I first saw him compete, I was kind of laughing because he was really young and small guy. Um, the last two events, he's tapped out uh, to Koro. And in this event, he went ankle to ankle with uh, one of the greatest submission artists in MMA history, yeah. uh, Imanari, and um, was actually able to tap out Imanari with a rear naked choke. Yeah. More of a crush. Um, but as a 17 year old kid and he's out here just destroying, um, third mid mid thirties, you know, aces of, of, yeah, of, M- of MMA, uh, submissions and, uh, God, I don't know. I, I, him and his it's, brother are just incredible.
0: It's this, it's this new, it's this new animal on the mats that comes out. Now these guys that come in, they come in twice a day, three times a day, six days a week. And, and, you know, versus these, these cats that, 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 you know, they train and they do other things like, like you said, in Menaris. You know, these fought MMA and stuff like that. But it's like these—you get these uh, these Rain Man-like, you know, prodigy grapplers now that are just—it's all they do, and their bodies are like. You look at the Meow brothers; it's like, it's like you, you know, you wonder if their their bones are made out of gelatin or something. You know, like it's just crazy now. It's a, it's a crazy time, which is cool for submission for jujitsu and submission grappling because now there's another avenue for guys to get out there and make some money, you know, um, uh, fight with the fight stuff like fight to win pro and stuff like that. But then you have these, these guys that are just like super, it's like, as soon as you see their name on the event, you're like, okay, especially if it's a tournament, you're like, okay, well it's going to be like, like you see Gary Tonin, Eddie Cummings, uh, uh, Nikki and Gordon Ryan, you see names like that. It's like, okay, we know these guys are making it to the end. You know, why was Gordon? Why is, why is Gordon Ryan on the, on the quintets team? Uh, t- team alpha male out of the blue. When did he start? When did he become a member of team alpha male? Yeah. You know? Know. He was Eddie. a late, re- late replacement, but yeah, <laughs> and, I, I don't, I don't he know. pretty much won that. He pretty much won that for them. You know what I mean? So,
1: well, I mean, he's an animal. He's, uh, he's got a match scheduled with Fabricio Fabrizio Verdun um, in Monterey, Mexico in, uh, I think March, um, yeah. which will be, uh, I mean, I think he's going to win. Uh, he's bulked up huge. Um, and, and he just, I just don't see these guys losing, um, but that was Polaris. That was a uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, quickly went into uh, Eddie Bravo invitational 18. Well, I uh,
0: that
1: it was the female straw weights, obviously a 16 woman tournament. Um, it, it went down. Uh, my Sebastos was able to uh, defeat uh, Patty Fontes in overtime. Uh, she won $10,000, had two finishes and became the inaugural straw weight champion uh for eddie bravo um again eddie bravo doing it right with his tournaments they do run long i know they start a little bit uh they i know they don't end till about midnight yeah. one o'clock for yeah. uh, for east coast so that might be something i, I especially if you're having it on sunday maybe started uh, another two hours early
0: uh, every, every ebi i've always watched in pieces you know and and like, usually by, by Saturday, like like all the guys I train with that watch it, they do the same thing. So it's by Saturday, it's our conversation for like Saturday. We'll be talking about last weekend's last Sunday's EBI with my me and my training partners because so that's just too late for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've covered the events and they're, they, you know, a five hour grappling event is, is, is some time. You know, that's there's a lot of matches. So it's not like it's your board, but, uh, but I, uh, you know, and I, I don't want them to go away from the 16 person tournament. I think that's the way to do it. But I, I just, if you're going to do it on a Sunday, um, I get if you're on a on a Friday or even a Saturday, maybe, but on a Sunday it seems like you can start that thing up around uh, maybe six o'clock Eastern time, um, and, and as opposed to what eight o'clock. I mean, you know, it's a work night long after, especially after everybody's watched so many events over the weekend.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, it's I mean, December is like crazy. I mean, I know you said you were going to talk about what's coming up this weekend, but we've we're already been, we've been bombarded since December started. We had uh, that uh, the UFC uh, Wilder Fury. Uh, Bellator, you know, and then uh, the, everything we just talked about for this past weekend. And now we got this weekend coming with more uh, back-to-back Bellator and UFC.
1: Yeah, Bellator's doing it again this weekend. They're becoming the first, uh, not the first, but the of the major uh, promotions currently going right now. Um, they're, they're, they're entering the, the Hawaiian market uh, with a, a double night event at the uh, Blaisdell Arena um, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, the first night, Friday night kicks off. Um, it's a pretty star studded weekend. Um, you know, you start looking at these cards, AJ McKee, um, returns to the cage 12 and zero, and, uh, and he's the opening fight for the, the Friday night event, uh, fighting a tenant to, uh, Daniel Crawford. Um, I, I think if we asked each other, I think we both would probably be picking AJ McKee in that, in that fight.
0: Yes, sir. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, and then, uh, and then the next fight on the card is Derek Campos and Sam Cecilia, two, uh, two all action fighters. Um, I think Campos has a little bit more of a, uh, a heavier punch. So I have a feeling he'll probably do some damage on the feet, but, um, again, uh, two names and, and, and a solid fight. Um, and then a fight I actually didn't know and I should have known uh, because she's actually one of my favorite uh, current female fighters. But Alejandra Lara uh, coming off the loss to uh, lay McFarlane um, returns to the cage. You get 7-0 Juliana Velasquez. Um, I'd love to see uh, Lara get back in the win column. Um, I think she's got a lot of potential um, talent-wise, look-wise. Um, I, I, she has star written all over her if, uh, if she's able to get a couple more big wins. Um, yeah. But then we get uh get into something that that'll definitely uh, get you going, and that's uh, Frank Mir and Javi Ayala. Um, yeah, man. I, I just feel I, like these fights are are under the radar.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, I just, I mean, if, I just talked to Angelo Re- Reyes, who didn't coach uh Frank Mir for for this fight. Uh, if you listen to the episode, he's obviously uh he's focusing on other things that that uh you know that that are hit closer to home for him with the uh congenital heart disease and stuff like that so he's taking a break from coaching to work on that so um i forgot who he said Mir worked with i know i mean obviously for grappling he still went with Drysdale, but uh he got somebody else to help him work on his striking and um you know javi ayala javi ayala is a tough dude I mean, I know he lost against Roy Nelson, but he it was it wasn't an easy win for Roy Nelson. And then before that, he knocked out Sergey Karatanov. So it's like, you know, Javier Ayala is not somebody to be sleeping on. And uh when I interviewed him, uh, I actually interviewed Ayala when right be, just before he fought Nelson, and he said that, you know, the, for him every fight that the plan is always to knock knock his opponent out. So um and obviously Mir Mir has been knocked out before, so he better be careful. It's not going to be an easy fight. If it goes to the ground obviously mir's it's Mir's world but you know um yeah that's uh, that's a hard one to call I I, I I i i it'd be a coin toss for me I really can't pick one
1: yeah I, I think Avi Ayala is actually coming off another loss to Czech Congo he got knocked out that's right uh,
0: yeah.
1: at uh Bellator one ninety nine yeah. um, but uh yeah if you're asking me to make a pick i'm gonna I'll go with ayala I'll go with the younger guy. I'll go with the, the bigger puncher.
0: That makes um, sense.
1: You know, but again, it comes down to if Mir decides to go to the ground. Uh, you don't know what Frank Mir we're going to get. Um, yeah. You know, I, if he tries to stand and bang, I think he gets blasted. Uh, I think his chin's pretty deteriorated. I don't think the Fador uh, knockout is going to do anything to help that. So, uh, so yeah. But if it goes to the ground, obviously, um, I don't know if Mir submits him, but I can see Mir controlling the fight from the ground um and then we get the world title uh lightweight um been waiting a long time for this fight uh brett primus oh hasn't, man yeah hasn't fought since Don I mean, Dom. he hasn't fought since last june um when when i was out there in, in new york for bellator uh it was 180 it was actually bellator uh, nyc but it was technically 180 is, is really the vet number um yeah so it's been 20 what this is two twelve, So it's been 30, 32 events now, since he hasn't fought and defended that title. So it's good to see him back in action against Michael Chandler. One of the all-time faces of Bellator, uh, one of my all-time favorite fighters. I'll take Chandler all day. Um,
0: but you
1: know, that's just, that's just me. I'm definitely fanboy for him. So, uh, no,
0: it's hard not to, I mean, Michael Chandler has been a Bellator staple for a long time, but the thing of, the thing with, uh, with premise is, uh, you know, he's he's a hammer and and uh, we know with only eight fights, uh, you know, a lot of people haven't seen it. I, I remember he fought uh, before he got the title. He fought. Uh, I covered an event in uh, April of twenty seventeen or, or forget when it was before. Obviously, before the New York fight, um, he uh, I mean, he puts people away. That guy's I mean, he he's strong. That leg kick bothered uh, Chandler's foot for a reason. He's, I mean, I've been following his social media to watch his preparation. I mean, he's breaking dudes' noses in practice right now. So Chandler's definitely got his work cut out for him. But then again, like you said, man, it's hard it's hard to, to I mean, even still, and Chandler mentioned it in one of the recent promos, um, you know, Chandler with his floppy left foot was still coming after him and landing hard shots because he's just that type of guy. So that fight's going to be great. And I'm glad that that's on the Paramount Network Friday night. Uh, so, cuz I'm going to catch that one since I won't be able to catch the uh Welterweight tournament on the zone cuz I really would need you to message me. Uh yeah, we'll <laughs> figure we'll figure out,
1: we'll figure out a way for you to watch that fight, I'm sure, Ed.
0: Yeah, Yo, uh, man, you you got to like but still. I mean cuz I there's there's the UFC on at the same time and and uh other stuff, so I we're definitely going to be splitting up our eyes to watch uh something.
1: Well, we're going to go through the Bellator card right now and I'll tell you right now that I you, I wouldn't even bother turning on the UFC fights. Um, when, when you got, we got, uh, King Moe versus Liam McGeary. Yeah. You know, a good fight. Um, Moe's chin has obviously been exposed a little bit more. Brian Bader took him out in 15 seconds, uh, in his last fight, but it's King Mo. um, and McGeary's had problems with wrestlers. So if Moe's able to secure some takedowns and avoid the strikes of McGeary and yeah. avoid his length, um. I almost want to go with King Mo on this. I, there was a time I thought McGeary might be one of the top ten light heavyweights in the Me world, too, man. Um, but I just his his weakness in wrestling um, has really been his downfall. And and um, if King Mo uses that, I, I think it'll uh, it'll definitely be interesting. Yeah,
0: I mean uh, McGeary did change camps. So, you know, he moved out of this area. He's actually training out, out by you now, I think.
1: No, I didn't know that, but that, yeah. maybe that'll maybe that'll make a difference. Um, all yeah. he's got to do is have some kind of sprawl defense. If he's able to avoid takedowns for a round, round and a half, I think he uh, I think he can outstrike and and at a bare minimum win a decision, if not knock out King Mo. Um, and then we got the Walter White uh, uh, Grand Prix, um, second bout of the Walter White Grand Prix, uh, Neiman Gracie and Ed Ruth. Um, this is one I know. I think you picked Gracie That's... early on. Yeah. That's, um,
0: I mean, that's a good fight though, man.
1: It's a good fight. I have Ruth just by the fact that I've, I said it earlier on a show shoot weeks, if not months ago now that I usually go with the wrestler, um, you know, but we'll learn if he's able to avoid submissions. I mean, that's, that's always the weakness for wrestlers. Usually they get their guys down. Um, but yeah. when you find a, a jujitsu ace, like uh, a Gracie, um, you really have to, you can't take a, you can't take a breath. If he, if he, if he if he gets comfortable for half a second, um, he, he could find himself uh, with a loose limb real, real quick. I think in yeah. that fight. So, and then, and then we get uh Lata Machida and Jafiel and Carvalho. I mean, yeah, man, you know, another really, really fun fight. Um, that's, that's a hard pick for me. Carvalho really took a, a hit when he had that terrible fight. Um, a few fights back with Melvin Manhoff. I know he lost a lot of momentum. He had gained,
0: um well plus but, you gotta see you gotta see how how machida handles fighting for bellator too you know
1: yeah that's true you gotta see if it just was a money grabber if he's still taking his career seriously i mean yeah. that's obviously involved um my heart goes machida my head is telling me carvalho um just because he's the younger uh maybe hungrier fighter um maybe not the hungrier fighter though we'll find out obviously like you said about machida machida might come in and know this is his last chance to uh to make a run at it. I mean, a win here basically is going to get him a title shot, um, with the winner of Lovato and, and Musashi. Um, as far as I, I would read into it. Um, I know Musashi would probably like to have that, uh, fight since he lost kind of a lackadaisical, um, decision to Machida, um, in UFC four or five years ago. Um, who you, who, if you had gun to your head. Who you taking in that fight?
0: With, uh, with, uh, Machida and Carvalho. Yes. Um, Hmm. That's a, that's a tough one, man. Because <sighs> you know, it's like uh, being being somebody that came from traditional karate. I want to go with Machida. I'd, I'd like to see him win, and I know he's got the I, he's got to still have the power to put Carvalho away. But I just feel like Carvalho's been more active, so I, I think I'm going to go with Carvalho. Yeah, that's kind
1: of so we're on the same boat there. And then the main event is another title fight. We got back to back title fight uh, nights for Bellator. Uh, the hundred twenty five. 125 pound <laughs> women's champion uh, and potential superstar, Alima lay McFarlane uh, fights UFC veteran and potential? Uh,
0: she already is to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. And that's, <laughs> but um, she's got a tough fight with, with, uh, I don't want to call her a journey woman, but uh, she's fought everybody, fought everybody that really is to fight um, in the 115 pound class. And, and she came into, to uh, Bellator uh, Valerie Laterno and she beat, um, she beat Christina Williams in her, in her previous bout at Bellator two Oh one. Again, I, for Bellator's sake, I hope McFarlane wins this fight. Um, I, I think, like I said, I think she has potential to really become a face in the sport. Um, uh, you know, uh, in, in more ways than one, I, same kind of thing with uh, Alejandra. Uh, and they, they, you know, was her last bout where she defended her belt. Um, McFarlane is obviously the, the ace on the ground. Um, Letourneau used the ground game to defeat, uh, Christina Williams. Obviously she's a kickboxer, um, by, by trade more, but, um, you know, I got to go with McFarlane, but it wouldn't surprise me if, if is able to grind it out and, uh, and, and put some leather on, on McFarlane and, and, you know, maybe not over five rounds. If it was a three round fight, maybe I would say Letourneau, um, had maybe a, a 15% chance of win, but um, I'd, I'd give her a long shot. I don't know what the odds are, but um, you know, a gun to my head, I'm taking McFarlane and, and that a lot of that has to do with just my hope because I, I think it's a huge gain for Bellator to have her win, especially in Hawaii. Um, it, it could be huge for the promotion.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I'm going, I'm going to, uh, Ilima Leigh just because I, um, I just feel like she's evolved so much. She actually, I mean, uh, she actually does uh, does work on her striking. Her striking's evolved pretty well, and um, you know her submission game is obviously. Uh, I think she told me when I interviewed her back uh, was it like a year or so ago that she said she's 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 so confident in her in her submission game within the Bellator cage that she believes she is the best person. She's the best best submission artist in her division, and I, I can't help but agree with her. So uh, I'm going with her.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see because we're coming a week after uh, the UFC crowns their 125-pound champion. So, you know, it, it if she comes out and looks spectacular, you know, obviously the talk's going to start to happen about, you know, a dream matchup between Shevchenko and, oh, yeah, and Marlon. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then that that's Friday, then Saturday. Also Saturday night, uh, UFC's got a card in Milwaukee. Um,
0: that's uh, Kevin Lee, I, Ally Kinta, too. Yeah, um, it's, it's
1: that's a solid card, you know, for for the final Fox card. Um, yeah,
0: you know, Isn't I, the final Fox card. They're gonna do. Uh, they're not doing the 29th for uh, two thirty two prelims.
1: Well, no, it's the final big Fox card. Okay. Uh, uh may, you know, main Fox. I think Fox Sports will probably still do the the prelims uh, for, like you said, two thirty two. Um,
0: yeah, well, they're pushing been... boxing heavy already.
1: Yeah, they're pushing boxing. I think. Uh, I think they. I don't, want to, I don't know if it's they might have a deal coming in too with um, with WWE um yeah they do it, it starts I think in a year or so so yeah um, so they're gonna obviously shift some of their entertainment but um you know glancing at this card some of the fights that stand out to me is um Jessica Rose Clark, andrea KGB Lee for a female fight I think that that's a, a really good fight and could um, could create a, a top two or three contender uh, for the, uh, flyweight class, um, it is kind of buried on the prelims. Um, so I'm curious to see, um, how that fight turns out because there's not a lot of depth off the, you know, in the 125 pound division, at least not a lot of, not of not a lot of, uh, big name, uh, fighters, uh, Sajar Yubik's moving up to 135, um, Roxy coming off a loss, uh, you know, Jessica I coming off a win, but it wasn't the most, uh, most spectacular thing. So that fight could open up some doors. Um, that's on the prelims. Then the main event, main card, Jim Miller, Carlos Oliveira De Bronx. Um, that potential for a really good fight right there. If, uh, if both guys come to, to play, I, uh, yeah, you know, I always felt like Oliveira was on the brink, but yeah. uh, I, I feel like Jim Miller's going to, uh, going to beat him up in the, in, on the ground. Uh,
0: Yeah. Jim Miller seems like he's got something to prove uh, at this point in his career. And, uh, you know, especially any, uh, I mean, obviously I'm going with Miller because he's a Jersey guy, but you know, it's, uh, it's definitely something, the way he fights, especially when he gets put on the prelims, it's, it's like, I want to say it like pisses him off. So, so he fights, it's like, it makes him fight better.
1: Well, he's on the main card for this one. So that's, yeah, no,
0: well, you know what I mean? Like, he was like a pay-per-view level guy back in the day, you know, he was a, you know, Frankie, Frankie Edgar and, and, you know, like he was definitely somebody you wouldn't see on, on regular TV a while back. And then, uh, you know, they dark, they put him on fight pass a few times. So it's definitely, it's definitely something that, that he's, uh, I feel like he's, he's catching a second wind.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, he's had a couple of good performances. Um, Rob Font, Sergio Pettis. Uh, I know Pettis is coming off a loss to uh, Jusher Formiga um, after, uh, you know, so you know, where he was uh, basically a fight away uh, from a title shot. Um, uh, I guess I'm going with Pettis just from being a little bit more crisp of a fighter than Font, but Font's got some heavy hands.
0: Yeah, I'm um, going Font on that one. I'm... You're
1: going to go Font? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with Pettis by decision. Um, and then really the fight that I'm kind of looking forward to, Dan Hooker against Edson Barbosa. That one has uh, fireworks written all over it. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to pick. I know, I know Dan Hooker trains with, uh, Israel Adesanya. So I feel like he might have the edge just because of that, but Ed, it's Edson Barbosa too. I mean, I mean, doesn't he have like leg kicks from hell?
1: <laughs> oh, Barbosa's a beast. I'm going to go yeah. with hooker just because I'm going to, I'm going to say that, uh, maybe punishment's going to catch up to Barbosa, um, coming off of his fights with, uh, Kevin Lee and, and, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Um, he took some heavy, heavy punishment for a prolonged amount of time. So, um, I'll go with hooker, uh, kind of the, the less, less, uh, traveled fighter, I guess you'd say at least physically. Um, and then the rematch, uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, Kevin Lee and, uh, ally Kenta, um, that's, that's a tough fight to pick right there. Um, now won the first fight by, dis- uh, by decision. Um, handful of years ago now uh how do you see that one going
0: that's uh like you said it's tough i mean uh, i feel like maybe um uh, maybe uh Iakinta's, uh unhappiness with the promotion along with uh you know he's, he's had a few injuries over the recent years um may, maybe that's wearing his, wearing him down a little bit and kevin lee could uh, take it this time because kevin lee's kind of been on the up even though uh, I know he had that, that weird staff infection when he lost to Tony Ferguson, and he kind of guessed, he's a bit he's big for that weight class, Kevin Lee. So yeah,
1: yeah, I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Kevin Lee basically for the same kind of reasons. I I don't think uh, I don't know if Al is he hasn't been as active. Um, obviously, um, in fact, he had his first his return fight was actually against Khabib uh, after what not fighting for almost two years or so. Yeah, uh, so uh, I'll go with Kevin Lee. I think he's the. Uh, I'm not rooting for him. <laughs> I'm, rooting for, I'm rooting for Al. Uh, yeah, but uh, but I, I'll take Kevin Lee in that fight. I think he might be the more well-rounded fighter, and and yeah. it, it just might be his time. Plus, he knows how close he is now to a uh, another shot at the title, and um, I think that might carry him over the carry him over the edge.
0: Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it's a uh, definitely a. a Heavy weekends in December. Lots of fights going on. Lots, uh, hopefully, none, none with the family. All, all on TV and and in arenas. So yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks to Christmas and then yeah. the, the New Year's chaos. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just been nonstop fights for the last couple of weeks. I love yep. it.
0: We'll have uh, to figure out something. Uh, I mean, obviously, we we got a maybe we should do like a holiday special, <laughs> holiday show before leading up to the week of Christmas, or if we do, I don't know if we'll figure it out leading up. Cause we still got another week between now and then, cause I'm uh, new year's Eve. I'm at the, uh, I'm at pro fight league. I'll be covering that live for, uh, from proof media. So I- I'm probably going to miss all the Ryzen uh, fantasticness. So that'll be up to you to, to fill us in.
1: I won't, I will watch every <laughs> single minute of it. I'll <laughs> sleep and, uh, do a lot of day sleeping, uh, to say the least. But, um, yeah. Uh, again, fun talking, Ed. A million fights to catch up on and look forward to. Yeah. Um, fans listening can follow us at Combat Hour uh, on Twitter. Myself at MMA Hawk Twenty One on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Ed at Carbazal on Twitter at Carbizal on Instagram. Um, again, there's a support link on our uh, on our anchor page. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just just uh, uh, as long as you're subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify, Pocket Casts, uh, anywhere uh, podcasts are played. I know Anchor's working on getting us on um, Stitcher and all that stuff too. So uh, pretty much any, any all the major podcast platforms, as long as you're subscribing, you're uh, and listening, you're helping us out. But um, I guess until next week, Matt, we'll uh, we'll we'll catch each other. Hey y'all, East Coast Ed here. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can be a monthly supporter for as little as 99 cents a month. This podcast will always be free, but if you help Matt and I out for future episodes, supporters will be shouted out on the show and large supporters will be randomly selected to do predictions for a big pay-per-view event in the future. So please click the support tab and enjoy the show.